الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين استفى ما بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم مخلصين له الدين وقال الله تعالى في ايه اخرى الا لله الدين الخالص سبحان ربك رب العزه اما يصفون وسلاماً على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صلي على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صلي على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Anyone in this world who undertakes any activity makes any effort does any striving always wants to see the reward, result, the fruit of their effort. And if any one of us ever make any effort and we don't see the reward of that effort, we don't get to reap the fruit of that effort, then we feel a tremendous sadness that that effort went to waste, that we made all of that effort and it produced no results, no yield whatsoever. Just like that in Deen, Whenever a person does any amal, any good deed, any adab, any akhlaq, any of the a'mal of salih, they do it for a reason, and that is their hope that Allah Ta'ala will accept it from them on the Day of Judgment, and it will produce some yield for them in akhirah, that there will be some thamara, some thamarat, some fruits and benefit of their action. If on the Day of Judgment, however, they show up, we show up, I show up in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we will be amazed at how many a'mal we did actually will not be makbul, will not be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because we did not have ikhlas in those a'mal. We were not mukhlisin al-Huddin. We did not do that act entirely, purely, only, exclusively for the sake of Allah. Now can you imagine the sadness we will feel on that day? The complete sense of loss, of khusr, of hasra, of remorse we'll feel on that day. When the amal we did actually are not able to benefit us in that day because our niyyah was impure. There was some even slight adulteration, some mixture, even 1% ghair khalis we did something not entirely, only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah ta'ala won't accept that amal from us. For example, we did it for name, we did it for fame, we did it for status, we did it for prestige, we did it for Allah ta'ala, but also for some worldly benefit also. No. Allah ta'ala is that being that it only has to be only. Not that we did it for Allah Ta'ala and for something else also. No. The word also cannot be used for Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. That is also a type of shirk khafi, an inner hidden shirk. Whatever we do has to be done for Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala only and only, purely, exclusively, khalisatan lillah fillah. So if we show up on that day and there's something that's not there, slight impurity, and this is something that we lack as individuals, we lack as institutions, we lack as organizations. Illa, mashallah, few of the great awliya and the institutions of this country, like Darulam Azadvil, alhamdulillah, every time we come we find something new. 
We get a new nur every time we set foot in Darlam Azad. It's special. This is a sign of Qubuliyyah. Like Allah Ta'ala made Quran Kareem, the most makbul book. It means every time you recite it, you get a different taste, a different flavor, a different nur. Even the hufaz, they repeat that ayah 10 times, 20 times. If they're salih, muttaki hufaz, they get a different nur and taste every time they repeat that ayah for the sake of memorization. Like the Kaaba Baytullah is makbul. Every time you look at Kaaba, you get a new nur. Every time you look at it, you get a new enjoyment. Allah SWT explains this about Himself in Quran. In Surah Rahman, He says, that every single day Allah manifests Himself in a new splendor, in a new beauty. And the Salihin, Muttaqeen, Mu'mineen, they get to taste the flavor of that new shan every day, in every salat, every rakah of their salat. And Allah Ta'ala then if He bestows any place or any person or any work of any author with that kubuliyyah, the same thing happens. You enjoy it afresh every time. Like the fadail amal of Shaykh al-Hadith, Mawlana Muhammad Zakariya Khan Every time you read it, you get a new nur. Every time you hear that hadith, you get a new nur. Just like that, when I set foot in Dhanam Azamil, every time I go, I feel a new nur. Every time I get a new enjoyment, a new lutf. This is some special thing. This is alama or sign of kubuliyya. Hmm? This is why we enjoy sitting with the makbul ulama and awliya of this ummah. You see, you could read the hadith and fazal mahal in any other work, but you will see like you can drink water in a paper cup and you can drink water in a crystal glass. So when you get to get the hadith from Shaykh al-Hadith, Muhammad Zakariya al it's like you're getting that hadith from a crystal glass. And you enjoy that water even more. Allahu hmm? Akbar. So this is a sign of kubuliyya. Allah Ta'ala bestows that on those people and their works and their institutions that have pure ikhlas. But other than these special few places and people on earth, as an ummah overall we are suffering that we lack ikhlas in what we do, we lack ikhlas in what we say, we lack ikhlas in our relationships, we lack ikhlas with Allah Ta'ala, we lack ikhlas with Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What does it mean to have ikhlas with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala? Very simple, to be as good an abd to Allah Ta'ala, as good a rabb he is to you. That's called ikhlas with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Hmm? What does it mean to have ikhlas with Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to be as true and loyal a loving and ummati to him as true and loyal loving and Nabi he was to you. Hmm? That's ikhlas. Some people they get confused. They think ikhlas sincerity means just to be a good husband or a good father or a good citizen. All of that is also ikhlas. But if you don't have ikhlas with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you don't have ikhlas with Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what value would that ikhlas have on the Day of Judgment? I'll give you an example. Imagine if one of you has a son and he's not at all a good son to you. Now can he present this to you in its place that I'm a good husband to my wife? or I'm a good father to my children, or I'm the best employer, I'm the best employee, I'm the best colleague at work, I'm the best citizen, you will tell him that, look, you can maybe all of that. You may be the best husband, you may be the best father, you may be the best colleague, you may be the best citizen, you may be the best neighbor, but you're not a good son to me. That's all that matters in the father-son relationship. So just like that in the Abd and Rabb relationship, if we show up on the Day of Judgment and we were not a good Abd to that Rabb, 
Hmm? If we show up on the Day of Judgment and we are not a good Ummati of Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, all of the other goodnesses that we have, no doubt they are good and they may save us from further punishment, but all the other goodnesses in the world cannot substitute for the goodness of being a good slave to Allah Ta'ala and a good follower of Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, just like all of the other goodnesses in that boy cannot substitute at all for the fact that he is not a good son to his father. This is ikhlas. This is ikhlas. Very difficult to have this ikhlas. One of the great mashayikh and early awliya, Shaykh and our Sussala Naqshabandi, his name was Hazakhwaja Bayazid Bustaminamtane. And once he was reciting Surah Taha. Surah Taha. Now, when a person, he was sitting doing tilawat of Surah Taha, and a person who was known to him that he knew simply passed by and he noticed him out of his peripheral vision. And he says that I had this thought in my mind that if I noticed them passing by, maybe they noticed me reciting Qur'an. That's it. If I noticed them passing by, maybe they noticed me reciting Qur'an. Then he says that night I had a dream. And I saw Surah Taha being written in gold. Ayah after ayah after ayah. And then all of a sudden there was a gap and there were a few ayat that were missing, and then again it was written gold, ayah after ayah after ayah. And then I reflected on the dream and I realized, oh, those gap was actually those few verses I recited, just thinking that maybe that person was aware of me, and Allah Ta'ala removed from me the ajr and sawab of that recitation of those verses. Allah Akbar Kabira. Hmm? Can you imagine? It means that whatever amal has even the slightest ghair in it, slightest one drop of ghairullah comes in it, Allah Ta'ala will not accept that amal from us on the Day of Judgment. You see in this world, there are some things that have to be 100%. Must be 100%. If you're traveling in an area of the world and there's no clean drinking water, and I give you water and say it's 99.9% pure, you won't drink it. Because you know even 0.1% impure, that's even one germ is enough for me to get sick. If you're flying in the plane and the pilot says, okay, we're getting late, the plane has been 99% checked, let's go. Passengers will start panicking. You have to check it 100%. So there's some things in life that have to be strictly, literally 100%. This is the mayar, the standard that Allah Ta'ala has set for every single thing in deen. Allah lillahi al-deen al-khalas. That for Allah Ta'ala, the only thing we will accept is that anything in deen that is 100% done for him. Like the goldsmith wants 24 karat gold, that's it. Not 22, not 23. If there are any impurities, he will melt the gold. So the impurities go on one side, the gold goes on one side. Just like that, those mu'mineen who are not mukhlisin, they will have to be melted in the fire of Jahannam so that their impurity goes on one side and what they had from their iman comes on one side and then they will be granted admission into Jannah. None of us want to go through that process. Hmm? There is a purification process in this world called Tazkiyah. There is a purification process in the next world called Jahannam. There's only two ways to get to Jannah. Either, and they have to become pure. Either we get purified in this world through Tazkiyah, Tawbah, or we get purified through the fire of Jahannam. Allahu Akbar Kabira. So we have to have ikhlas.
This is why in our deen, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he stressed niyyah. That the intention will determine the sincerity. This is one of the many meanings of the hadith. إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَّاتِ that actions will be determined based on the sincerity and purity of their intention. Many times you will find that two people are doing the exact same thing. Outwardly it looks exactly the same. But because their intention was different, it's radically different the way Allah Ta'ala will treat them. Radically different. One person may do a good deed purely for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. The other person is doing the exact same good deed, but he's doing so for the praise of the world. So because their intention was different, Allah Ta'ala will treat them entirely differently. So Allah Ta'ala is only going to accept those things that are pure for him. In one narration it came that Sayyidina Rasulullah said that whenever a person does any amal, it is raised up and presented to Allah Ta'ala. On the one hand, of course, Allah Ta'ala knows everything. But Allah Ta'ala uses these processes sometimes that that amal will be taken up from each of the sabah samawat, the seven levels or firmaments. And at every one there will be an angel who checks. And the first level an angel will check, is it khalis, is it mukhlis? He will let it go. Then the second level, again an angel will check, is this amal have ikhlas? He will let it go. Again, third level an angel will check, does this have ikhlas? He will let it go. So you can see like today in this world they have quality control department, huh? and it goes through seven inspectors. So seven angels will inspect. But then the ajib thing is that the hadith ends, that if it makes it past the seventh level, then there's one more inspector, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself will check that amal for ikhlas. And if that amal has ikhlas, Allah ta'ala will accept that amal for the person and give them the rahmah and good that Allah ta'ala gives to the people. And if it's not, Allah will not give them his mercy and his intimate nearness. Allahu Akbar. That's why another hadith, is a jeeb hadith of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And all of us know, very mashur, very sahih, very well-known hadith. And who is going to be the first to be punished on the Day of Judgment? Hmm? So then Nabi Kareem Sassim mentioned three people. All of the mu'mineen. All of them from Al-Madhina Amanu wa Amanu Salihat. All of them believers who do tremendous deeds. They will be called in front of Allah SWT. First will be an alim, body. And he'll be called in front of Allah Ta'ala, what did you bring? And he will say about my services of deen, my khidmat of deen, my work of ilm, my knowledge, teaching, writing. Allah Almighty will say. And then Allah Ta'ala will say, yes, you did do all of that. However, you also did it so that people would praise you and call you a big alim, big shaykh, big mufti. Fakabkeel. And so indeed you were praised. Then Allah Ta'ala ordered the angels who take the soul to Jahannam that flip this person and drag him into the fire of Jahannam. Allahu Akbar. Second person will come. He will have been a person who gave a lot of charity, donated generously for the sake of Allah Ta'ala and Deen. If you ask, what did you bring? He will say, Ya Allah, I donated a lot of money, generously, charity. Allah Ta'ala said, yes, you did. Allah Ta'ala will do this thing. You did. However, you did it also so that people would say that you were very generous. فَقَدْ قِيلُ And some people used to say that about you. Again, Allah Ta'ala ordered the angels, flip this person and drag them into the fire of Jahannam. Then third, a shaheed. Allah Akbar. If you ask, what did you bring? He said, Ya Allah, I gave my very life for you. I gave my very life for you in deen. He says, yes, you did. But you also, not that you only did it for this reason, you did do it for me. 
but you also did it so that people would remember you as a shaheed, people would celebrate your courage and your bravery for Kabkir, and indeed people did praise and celebrate your sacrifice, and other our angels flip him and drag him into the fire of Jahannam. Ya Allah. Even if he says he didn't only do it for that, he did it for Allah Ta'ala, but he also did it for this reason. Now look at this hadith again. Let's start with the alim. So if you had asked us, we would have thought that, okay, Ya Allah, he was not sincere in his ilm. Okay, cancel his ilm. Don't give him any word for ilm. Judge him on anything else. Maybe he prayed salah, he fasted Ramadan, he paid zakah, he went on hajj, he went on umrah, he was good father, he was good husband, he was good son, he was good neighbor. Allah says, no. This lack of ikhlas, first they must burn in the fire of Jahannam. For the lack of ikhlas he had in ilm, then he will come again in front of me, then I may look at anything else and send him into Jannah. Same thing for the person who is generous. They say, okay, Ya Allah, cancel the charity. Yes, he did it so people would call him generous. Cancel it. Now let's do hisab and everything else. Same story for this one. Maybe he prayed, he fasted, he went on hajj, went on umrah, was good neighbor, was good father, was good husband. Rata says, no. First he must burn in Jahannam for the adam ikhlas, the lack of ikhlas. Why did he also give this money? which he was supposed to be doing mukhlisin al-Hudin only for me, why did he even dare think that people will also call me charitable? Why did he want his name on that board? Why did he want his name on that plaque? Why did first he must go to Jahannam for that, then we will look at anything else. That shaheed, Ya Allah, okay, cancel his shahabat. Cancel it. No, give him no word for that. But still he should maybe go to Jannah. Maybe he prayed salah, he had taqwa, he cried, he prayed tahajjud. Allahu alam, what all he may have done. Allah says, no, I don't look at that. I look just at this. Why did he give his entire life for me? And also slightly want that people should remember him as brave. First he must go to Jahannam for that. Then I will look at anything else and send him to Jannah. Allahu Akbar Kabira. Can you imagine? And me and you, neither are we that great alim, nor are we that greatly generous person, nor obviously any one of us have shaheed that we gave our life for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So can you imagine this ikhlas, Allah ta'ala wants to see it 100% from anyone and everyone, no matter who they may be, no matter what amal they did. Allah ta'ala wants to see 100% of ikhlas. So our mashayikh, they used to say that a human being, they need iman. If a person has iman and he wants to be saved, he needs ilm. person who has ilm, they need amal. And the person who has amal, he needs ikhlas. وَالْمُخْلِسُونَ عَلَىٰ خَطَرٍ عَظِيمٍ And even those who have ikhlas, they're also teetering on the brink of danger. That any time if they lose ikhlas, they could also flip over into fire jannah. Allah Akbar, person who has iman, ilm, amal, and ikhlas, they would say the person who has ikhlas is scared. Hmm? So the deen wants khulus, Allah Ta'ala wants khulus. The only thing that will be accepted by Allah Ta'ala is that which we do purely, sincerely for Allah. Another word for this ikhlas in our deen is called sidq. Sidq means siddiqeen, sadiqeen. Those who are so true to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
like Imam al-Siddiqin, Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hmm? Pure truth. What does it mean? Truly love Allah subhanahu ta'ala, truly love Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Siddiqin, Sadiqin. True mukhlasi. Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiqin didn't look at anything. Was not interested in any praise. Was not interested in any name. Was not interested in anything. And Allah Ta'ala made him the greatest human after the Anbiya. The greatest non-prophetic human being from the entire history of humanity. Greater than Khizr anhu. Greater than Luqman anhu. Those of our ulama who believe that these were not Anbiya. Greater than Imam Mahdi is Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq anhu. Because he had Siddiq. He had this level of ikhlas, this level of truth in them. So that's why our Mashaif, one of the things they teach us, is to be very watchful and careful over your intention. Sometimes, many of us, we begin and act with the right intention. In the beginning, we didn't have a bad intention at all. But during that act, during that process, somehow, somewhere, some adulteration, some impurity creeps into our intention. We began teaching deen because we wanted to serve the people. We wanted to share the amount Allah Ta'ala gave us. But somewhere along the road, we had this idea, I should have more students, I should have more students. Why did that person have students? We got adulteration in Niyyah. We began our khidmat of masjid because we loved Allah Ta'ala and we wanted that beautiful house of Allah Ta'ala should be made in our neighborhood. We began with a good intention, but then we got involved. Then we thought we should be on committee. Then we thought people should keep us on committee. Then we got upset that why we voted again on committee. Then it became a personal thing. It wasn't for Allah Ta'ala. Then it was for our own personal dignity, personal honor, personal power. So sometimes it happens that the niyat starts out perfectly pure. Along the way, it gets adulterated. Why? That's called shaitan. This is one of shaitan's greatest use of his waswasa, that he wants to corrupt that which is pure. He wants to impurify that which is pure. This is the work of shaitan. So we have to protect ourselves. Always be watchful over our niyyah. Hatim al-Asim, Rahimullah Ta'ala, he spent eight years with the shaykh, and somebody asked him, what did you hear, learn? And he spent, I spent eight years just learning how to purify and keep my niyyah pure at all times. I spent eight years learning how to be watchful over my niyyah and to make sure my intention is always and only and throughout lastingly only to please my Allah Ta'ala and nothing else. Allah but they were trained, our Messiah trained us in this, to be watchful. Not just you began it with a right intention and then you forget about your intention. No, to always be careful and conscientious in our intention. I'll give you an example. One shaykh, he went to a student's house. He built a new home. And he asked him, oh, you made this window? He said, yes. He said, why did you make this window? He said, so I would get air and I would get light. And shaykh said, no. You should have made niyyah that I made this window, Ya Allah, so that I could hear the voice of the Mu'addin calling me to prayer. You should have made that niyyah, you would have gotten the air and light. Anyway, so this is another thing they used to teach us, that even in the most basic mundane acts, things that otherwise outwardly have no religious significance, that you should make a niyyah for that act that somehow links and connects you to Allah SWT. And those people who were so watchful, of their intention in basic acts, you can imagine how watchful they were over religious acts. For example, when you eat food, so one is to make the dua before you eat and after you eat, 
Another is to make niyyah. That, Ya Allah, every single calorie and energy I get from this food, I want to use it in your obedience and your worship. Ya Allah, every cell that you make in my body from this food, Ya Allah, I want that cell to do your zikr throughout its life. Ya Allah, make cells from my body from this food and use those cells to replace the cells that I sinned with and take those cells out of my body. Are they making me? <laughs> the act of eating has just become an act of zikr. Hmm? They used to teach us how to make me. And I'm going to sleep only so that I can wake up fresh again for your ibadah. Hmm? Allahu Akbar. So this is another thing our mashayikh used to learn. Our mashayikh used to teach us and we used to learn from them how to make a good niyyah for everything that we do. That's why the Arabs say niyyat al-mu'min khayrun min amalihi that the niyyah of a believer is even better than his action. Because the niyyah can make a basic action actually make that person beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright. Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal he used to keep the company of a person called Abul Hashim. Imam Ahmed was a great scholar of fiqh and hadith. And Abul Hashim was an ordinary person. So sometimes people would be amazed. So one of the students of Imam Ahmed asked, that, why do you sit with Abul Hashim? So he gave two answers. One answer he said, that I sit with Abul Hashim because it's only through sitting with him I was able to learn the fine, subtle tricks of the nafs that the nafs tricks me into having riya of doing things for show. And if I never sat with him, I would have never been able to purify my intention and keep myself from having arrogance or conceit. Allah Akbar. Such a great alam of deen. Means he knew all the text of Quran. He knew all the text of Hadith. He had all the academic knowledge. But he needed to sit with someone who could teach him how to purify his niyyah. And second reason he said, that I sit with Abul Hashim, he said, Ana alimun bi kitabillah. I am a knower of the book of Allah. Ana alimun bi kitabillah. Wa huwa alimun billah. And he is a knower of Allah Ta'ala himself. Allah hmm? Akbar. So you have to sit with Abul Hashim. So this is something that the great ulama also learned how to have ikhlas from the awliyaullah. They also learned how to have ikhlas from the awliyaullah. So there are some stories of some ulama that I want to share with you so you understand how much our ulama were trying to learn this ikhlas. One story I'll give you because our own, we studied in Jamia Shafia Lahore, and the founder of that, his name was Mufti Muhammad Hassan Ramtale, and he was Khalifa of Sheikh Ashraf Ali Thanvi Ramtale. So when Mufti Muhammad Hassan graduated from Darulam Dhirband, he went back to Amritsar, where he was from, and he actually established a Darulam, and he became Muhtamim, principal of Darulam. And he was principal, and he was teaching, but he had a great desire to become the student of Sheikh, to become student of Hazrat Ashraf Ali Thanwi But every time he would go, Sheikh Ashraf Ali Thanwi wouldn't accept him as a student. And he would always say something that, oh, you're a big mufti and you have so much ilm, or no, you don't have to worry. So he didn't understand. Then he says his own story. That one night I was in Amritsar and I just felt a burning, overwhelming desire that I have to become student of Sheikh. So in the morning I went from Amritsar to Tanabhavan. This village to village, hmm? actually small to town to village. 
and I showed up, and I showed up with such a determination that Sheikh Rashif Ali Tanwanta recognized that he's come with some serious resolve. So he asked him that, oh, Muhammad Hassan, why have you come, Mufti Saab? And Mufti Saab says, I've come because I want to be your student. It means I want to learn ikhlas. Hmm? They wanted this ikhlas so badly, even great ulama were willing to go to someone and learn this ikhlas from them. So Sheikh Ashraf Ali Tanwanta said, okay, you want to be my student? For you, I have three conditions. Allahu Akbar. For you, I have three conditions. Condition number one, that you are from Amritsar. This is the area of Punjab where the Sikh, a lot of Sikhs are from. Right? So it says, you have Punjabi accent in the way you talk. So I want you to learn all Tajweed again from scratch. Allahu Akbar. Muhtama Mufti Muhammad Hassan. Muhtamam of Darlum, being told, go all the way back to Nirani Kaim and start doing Alif Bata. Hmm? Allah Akbar. Hmm? Strange. Similar thing happened to me, I'll tell you. This happens. I went for a Mufti course in Karachi, and there was one of Ghani Kari, and we were sitting with him, and Ya Allah, he asked us to recite. And when I recited, Ya Allah, he made so much fun of me, I can't even tell you. Then he, what he did, was he did knuckle of me. He recited the way I recited back to me. He said, oh, listen to you, I'm Riki. Listen to how you recite. And then he recited back to me. I said, Ya Allah. <laughs> I said, what should I do? He said, you have to go all the way back to Kaida. So I used to sit, then after Fadr, Alif, Ba, Ta. Then he came to me and says, you have to recite out loud. So this American Talib Ilm from Mufti Gors was sitting in the masjid of Madrasa, Alif, Ba, Ta, screaming, everybody got to Fajr, like I was back again like a five-year-old. So sometimes it happens, huh? So Shaykh Ashraf Ali Thani Abdaleh, he told Mufti Muhammad Hassan, Abdaleh, you have to start Tajweed all over again. He said, no problem. Second, there's ikhlas. He said, what does it mean? Don't treat me like I'm someone special. Fix me. Fix me. He said, second condition is that before you came to Darwin, you did the first few years in your area, and you had one teacher who slightly had misunderstanding about the great jurists. That's how I explain to those of you who understand English. Then a little bit of tafsir for those who understand Urdu. Aapke ek ustaz ghair makallid tha. Aur uski jarasim aapke andar aayonge. Ek ustaz. Allah Akbar. So he said that, okay, so what you have to do, I want you to re-study those books. Don't worry, if you don't understand Urdu, you don't need that extra detail. Alright? So you had one teacher who had some slight misunderstanding. So you have to redo, re-study those books. He said, okay. He said, no, but the way I want you to re-study them is when you go back to Amritsar, <coughs> not study them privately. You were big mufti, big muhtamim? No. You will sit in class along with the kids and you will study that sabak, that book, the whole year in class from the teacher in your own mother so that you are principal of. He said, okay, I can do it. So third condition, just for you, Mufti Muhammad Hassan. Allah 99% of you would have ran by this point. You would have been running back to Amritsar, ran. Third condition, he said that Sometimes I want you to give me permission that anytime I want, I can talk to your wife behind the screen and ask her, tell me this Muhammad Hassan really, what is he like? Does he really pray tahajjud? What's he like? Hmm? What's his family life like? Hmm? What is his night time like? How does he spend his time? At any time you have to give me permission, at any time I want, I can ask your wife that she should tell me what you're really like. 
Now I think we're gone. We're all finished right here. Hmm? I don't think any one of you could sign up for me if I gave you that condition. Huh? Allah He said, Shaykh, anything you want, fix me. I do anything you want, fix me. Hmm? This is real ikhlas. Ikhlas means that you sincerely want to make yourself pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't care about anything else in the world. You sincerely want to become the lover of Allah ta'ala. Or you sincerely want to become the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is ikhlas. The Mufti Muhammad Hassan accepted these three conditions. Shaykh Ashraf Ali accepted him as a student. Now, Hazrat Ashraf Ali did another unique thing in his, fairly unique thing in his life. Most Mashaikh don't do this. One of his later works, he actually wrote down. He had hundreds of students, hundreds of khulafa. He wrote down, there were six, seven names. He said, these are my ajul khulafa. These are my most senior students I've ever produced. Amongst those names is Mufti Muhammad Hassan Allah Akbar. Hmm? Now I'll tell you his own story. So my teacher, Hazrat Muhammad Fazl Rahim, he's son of Mufti Muhammad Hassan. So he told an interesting story about his father that I've never read or heard in any of the books. But obviously he's the son, so he knows about his father. He says that when Pakistan was made, because my father was father of Sheikh Ashraf Tanvi, and they believed that, Muslims should have Pakistan. So a lot of the ulama and mashaykh who were followers of Sheikh Tanvi, they actually moved to Pakistan. So when he moved to Pakistan, he moved to Lahore. And he decided to make a Darululum. First Darululum in Lahore from that tradition. And he called it Jamia Ashrafiya, after Sheikh Ashraf Ali Tanvi. So the original campus is in Nilagumbad. So he made this. Now he was looking for teachers. So there was an alim in Lahore, who was Papa Lahori, who actually was a student of Hazrat Mahana Sayyidina Now Shaykh Mandinante had a different view. His view was that no, 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 Pakistan, right? All Muslims should stay in an undivided India because the Muslims would be stronger. Now Shaykh Ashraf Ali Tanvi had his view and Hazrat Hussein Mandinante had his view. Difference was that Shaykh Ashraf Ali Tanvi was a bit calm about his view. And Shaykh Mandinante was very passionate about his view and that also spilled over into the students. So this Mulana became a teacher in Jamia Shafia and he lasted for about one year. <laughs> but they were able, he said, I'm from a different temperament. So by the end of the year, he asked permission of Mufti Muhammad Hassan that if you ask me permission, I finished one year. If I can go my separate way, he said, fine. Okay, now what did that Mulana do? Amazing. Right across the street, he opened up a dialogue. Literally, the gates are opening to another. Right across the street. Achha Mufti Muhammad Hassan called it Jamil Shafiya. He called it Jamil Madiniya. Says that I was a young man in my teens, late teens, and when this teacher of my father's darling did this, I was in a rage. And so I went to my father and said, Look at this Mulana. He could have opened up another Dalum any place in the whole such a big city. He's opening it right in front of us. Or he could have taught, called his Dalum any name he wanted. We called our Jamia Shafiya, he's calling it Jamia Madaniya. Allah Akbar. So now listen how Mufti Muhammad Hassan Nata explained to his son. Now first in Urdu, so those in Urdu can enjoy better. Those who can drink Coke should drink Coke. And those who can't, we give them Diet Coke. Alright? So I will explain in Urdu first, and then I will explain in English. Ah, uh-huh. okay. Huh? So, Mufti Muhammad Hassan Nata explained to his son. 
ترفیمہ کے بیٹا میرے ایک بات سمجھنا اگر کسی کے کندھے کے اوپر ایک بہت بڑا بوجھ ہے اور وہ اٹھانے کی ہمت کر رہا ہے مگر اس بوجھ اٹھانے سے مشکل ہے اگر کوئی آ کے اس کو کہہ دے کہ آپ آدھا بوجھ مجھے دے دیں تو کیا وہ اگر بوجھ لے لے تو وہ اس کا موسن ہے یا نہیں تو نے کہا کہ ابو جی وہ تو ہمارا موسن ہوگا کہ اگر میں اتنا بوجھ اٹھا رہا ہوں کہ آ کر آدھا بوجھ مجھ سے لے لے تو اس نے مجھ پر احسان کیا کہ اس نے آدھا بوجھ لیا بس بیٹا منانا ہمارا موسن ہے پورا شہر میں ایک دار نوم تھا سارا شہر کی ذمہ داری ہمارے اوپر تھی یہ بوجھ ہم برداشت نہیں کر رہے تھے مولانا نے آدھا بوجھ ہمارا کندھے سے اٹھا دیا اخلاص کیسے اپنے بیٹے کو اخلاص سکھائے اپنا If there's a person who's carrying a very heavy burden on their shoulders, very big weight. So if somebody comes to them and says, okay, let me share in your burden, give me half the weight to carry. So that person who shares in the burden carries half the weight. What do you think? Isn't he the well-wisher of that person? So Mawla Fazalimi said, yes, father, that person is our well-wisher. So he said, just like that, we had opened the first Dalum from that tradition in this whole city of Lahore. The whole city's burden was on our shoulders. Malana opened Dalum in front of us. Alhamdulillah, he's taken half of the burden off of our shoulders. Ikhlas. Hmm? Today, can you imagine if it happened today? Huh? Allah Akbar. Hmm? Today, even people do relief and humanitarian work. It's ajeeb. So they're all, I know, I'm just making up names. I don't know. There may be people, I have no idea what the names are, right? So they're Al-Nusrat Foundation, right? So Al-Nusrat Foundation has this plan that I'm going to go to Gaza and can distribute all this thing. And when Al-Nusrat shows up, guess who got there before them? Al-Madul Foundation. Hmm? Now if Al-Nusrat is sincere, they should be happy that Alhamdulillah, somebody reached these people before us. Now we can go elsewhere. But if Al-Nusrat is not sincere, they're going to be upset. Why did Al-Madul get there before me? Why did Al-Madul take these shots that they have so many times before me? Al-Madul spoiled our hopelands. Do they have ikhlas? So our great Akabar, Mashaikh, Ulama, they had ikhlas and they got ikhlas. They got ikhlas and they had ikhlas. So I showed you through one person who is relatively, I think, lesser known in South Africa, Mufti Muhammad Hassan Ramtalai. How he got ikhlas? from Shaykh Ashraf al-Tanwa and how he taught ikhlas. So ikhlas is very important. Without this ikhlas, our a'mal will not be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We will see on the Day of Judgment with our own eyes, those a'mal that didn't have ikhlas, they will become like scattered dust. And we'll be left standing, and we have no other a'mal to bring, we will have nothing else to do. I'll give you an example, if you go to a fruit store, And the fruit seller, he wants to sell you bananas. In Pakistan, that happens. When you buy fruit, you have your own idea, but the fruit seller wants to sell you many things. So he tries to convince you to sell bananas. So you take a look at the bananas. If you see one small little spot on it, you say, I'm not interested. He says, no, no, I insist, I'll cut you, you taste it. You say, I'm not interested. Don't cut it. I don't want to taste it. Don't even bother weighing it. You say that to him. Don't even bother weighing it. So once our Hazrat Idaam Barakatuhum, Hazrat Mulana Shaykh Zulfika Ahmed Nakshamandi Mujaddi Idaam Barakatuhum Al-Aliyah, he gave this example. That just like that, that person who brings a'mal to Allah Ta'ala, which don't have ikhlas, Allah Ta'ala will tell the angels, don't even bother weighing it. Don't even bother putting it on the scales. 
It has no value whatsoever in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's eyes. Allah Akbar. Why? Because it's defective. Hmm? One wali of Allah ta'ala, he went to a store and he was buying something and then he gave some currency. We have the saying in Urdu, Kara and Kota. Kara means currency that is acceptable in the market and the other one is the one that's out of circulation, out of print. Hmm? So he gave the person the coins. The person refused the coins. And so no, they're defective. They're not accepted. So he started crying. And he started crying and crying. So there was another person. He said, it's okay, old man, don't cry. I'll pay for your goods. He says, that's not why I'm crying. I can arrange for money. That's not the issue. I'm crying because I just thought of something that all this time I had these coins and I thought they were proper, they turned out to be defective. What if on the day of judgment I show up to Allah Ta'ala, all my life I thought my amal were proper, what if they turn out to be defective? What am I going to do on that day? Allah Akbar. Strange how he thought. Strange how he thought. So it means we have to have ikhlas. We have to have ikhlas in everything that we do. A mu'min should always be worried about their ikhlas. So I'll tell you one more story. Then I'm saying, and then we'll try to wrap it up. There was a great shaykh, his name was Khwadun Nizamuddin. All of you would have heard this name, I think. Hazrat Khwadun Nizamuddin. Once somebody asked him a question. It's from his mulfuzat. That's from his sayings. As somebody asked him a question, that Shaykh, we've noticed something. What? We have observed that some people become very famous in their lifetime. But when they pass away, nobody seems to remember them at all. And there's some other people that during their lifetime, nobody seems to pay them much heed. But when they pass away, their fame spreads far and wide. So the person didn't understand. So yes, Shaykh. So Shaykh said yes. He replied. That that person who wants and tries to erase themselves in this life, after they pass away, Allah Ta'ala spreads their fez, Allah Ta'ala spreads their work. And that person who tries actively to make themselves famous in this world life, right? Then Allah Ta'ala will, they may attain that fame in this world, but then Allah Ta'ala erases their fez when they pass away. Now I'll explain this slightly differently in Urdu for those who don't understand. جو لوگ عقل کی بنا پر دین کا کام کرتے ہیں تو اللہ تعالیٰ جب وہ دفن ہوتے ہیں اللہ تعالیٰ ان کے دین کا کام ان کو ساتھ دفن کرتے ہیں اور جو لوگ دل اور اخلاص کی بنا پر کام کرتے ہیں وہ دفن ہوتے ہیں ان کا کام کبھی دفن نہیں ہو سکتا اللہ تعالیٰ اس کام کو جاری ساری رکھتے ہیں سیم تنگ آئی سیڈ بیسکلی ان انگلیش آئی سیڈ اگین ان اردو that those people who work sincerely from the heart they may pass away from this world Allah Ta'ala will never let their work and good efforts fade away. But that person who doesn't work sincerely from the heart, they work from their mind, calculating, marketing all the time, they will pass away from the world and all of their work will fade away and pass away as well. So it means if we want to leave some legacy, like Nabi Akareem Sallallahu taught us that if you pass away, then there's only one thing that will benefit you, some ilm or some sadaqah that is jari, something that continues to benefit others, we have to have ikhlas. So in this world, the world will tell you what? To clean your zahir, to purify your outward self. Deen of Islam teaches us what? Purify your outward self and purify your batin, purify your inner self. 
That is called tazkiyah, that is called ikhlas. Our shaykh, he says a beautiful thing in Urdu, which I will say in one sentence and then translate to you. Oh, Rashad, don't worry. I translate everything for you, inshallah. Ajeeb oh. thing our shaykh said. He said, Ham khalis deen ke na khalis perukar hai. Ham khalis deen ke na khalis perukar hai. It means that we are those people who have the purest deen, but we are the impure followers of the pure deen. We are those people who had the most sincere Nabi Akrim sallallahu alayhi wa We are the insincere ummatis of that most sincere Nabi. Hum khalis deen ke ghair khalis perokar hai. Hum khalis Nabi ke ghair mukhlis ummati ban ke. Ajeeb, in one sentence our Messiah, they capture a whole reality. Capture a whole reality. We become the insincere followers of that sincere, loyal, loving Nabi. Hmm? That Nabi Nikareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who is so sincere, loyal, loving for us. That Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, Harisun alaykum. That Nabi Kareem sallallahu is crazy mad about you. Nabi Kareem sallallahu is thirsty for you. Nabi Kareem sallallahu can never get enough of you. We are not Haris of that sunnah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We have lost the thirst for that Nabi who was so thirsty for us. Hmm? Ajeeb. Then our Shaykh said that we lie, we're talking about Sidq. So I say it in Urdu and in English again, Jitne satche awliyate hum itne juthe hoke. Means in English, we lie as surely as the awliyas speak truly. We lie as deeply as the awliyas speak truly. Ajeeb. That's Sidq. This has become our state. We lie to others, we lie to cover our sins, we lie to ourselves, we delude ourselves. As purely true they were to one another and to themselves, we have been lying to others and lying to ourselves. So we should always have this niyyah in our mind that we should do everything for the resolve of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that we want to be the muqarrab, we want to become close to Allah ta'ala. This is the dream of every believer. Every believer has one dream that I also want to get this kurba. I also want Allah Ta'ala to love me. Because every lover has one dream. Every lover secretly wants to be a beloved. Every lover wants that their beloved should love them back. Har muhim mahboon banna hai. Har ashik banna hai. If we want to be the beloveds of Allah Ta'ala, the only way we can do it is becoming by becoming mukhlisin, by learning this ikhlas. The way we learn ikhlas is by sitting with the mukhlisin and mukhlisin. Mukhlisin means there's a certain extent to which we can purify ourselves. Mukhlisin means an Allah Ta'ala will purify us the rest of the way. They are called mashayikh, they are called awliyaullah, they are called ahlullah. Like our mashayikh, they say that sabzi sabzi walo simultai, dood dood walo simultai, Allah Allah walo simultai. It means that you, now how can you do this in English, huh? Uh-huh, but you get fruit from the fruit seller, you get milk from the milk seller, huh? And you get Allah from the lovers of Allah. The love of Allah is from the lovers of Allah. The knowledge of Allah is from the knowers of Allah. The zikr of Allah is from those who remember Allah Ta'ala. So if we want to know Allah, love Allah and remember Allah, easy way is simply to be with those who know and remember and love Allah Ta'ala. This is what Allah Ta'ala said in Quran. 
يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وكونوا مع الصادقين that all you believe you must have taqwa and you must join your heart with the sadiqeen and you must take your zikr from zakirin Allah told us in Quran يا ايها الذين امنوا اذكروا الله ذكرا كثيرا and other other place Allah Ta'ala said وذاكرين الله كثيرا so we are told to remember Allah Ta'ala a lot and then Allah Ta'ala told us in Quran there are all the believers who remember Allah Ta'ala a lot so if we want to remember Allah a lot we simply should learn zikr from those who remember Allah Ta'ala a lot it's that simple you will get ikhlas you learn zikr from zakirin and you sit with the siddiqeen and sadiqeen means we sit with those who are relatively speaking more true than us who more love remember Allah Ta'ala more than us we will also become more those who are more mukhlis than us, we will become more. This is a beautiful way Allah Ta'ala has put in deen. This is called path of tazkiyah. This is called ihsan. This is called suluk. This is called ikhlas. This is called tasawwuf. Whatever you want to call it, this is what it is. That the insincere becomes sincere by sitting and learning from the sincere. May Allah Ta'ala accept us for this path of ikhlas. May accept our hearts for ikhlas. May accept our minds for ikhlas. May accept our entire lives for ikhlas. وَآخِرِ الدَّعْوَانَا عَنِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْآلَمِينَ سَمَانَ لَمِّنَا نَوَحَامَ اللَّهُمَّ سَنِّيَ رَاسِرُنَا مُحَمَّدْ وَعَلَىٰ آلِسِرُنَا مُحَمَّدِ وَمَبَارِكُ سَنَّمْ رَبَّنَا ذَنَمْنَا أَنفُسَنَا وَإِنْ لَمْ تَكْفِرْنَا وَتَرْحَمْنَا لَنَكُونَنَّا مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ ذَنْبِنْ خِرْ وَرْحَمْ وَأَنْتَ خِرْ الرَّاهِمِينَ يَا لَرَبِّ كَرِيمٍ وَيَوْهِيكَ سِنِنْ نِيدِي سِرْبَنْتْ سَلَيْفِ 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 يَا لَرَبِّ كَرِيمٍ
لف قرآن و کریم لف دین اسلام لف اصلاح لف تذکیہ لف ذکر لف سنہ لف توبہ لف شکر لف توقل لف صبر you'll put in a heart an attraction for all of the صفات of ایمان and you'll disincline our heart from all of the صفات of دنیا یعنی بکریم each and every one of us came here tonight because we were seeking you we wanted to become close to you, we wanted to change ourselves for you, yet if there's anything about us, the slightest thing in our personality, anything in our character, anything in our temperament, the way we think, the way we walk, the way we act, the way we interact, the way we feel, the way we talk, anything that is even slightly displeasing to you, yet we want to change it, Ya Allah, best that you change it, Ya Allah, mold us in such a way that you are razi with us, Ya Allah, be pleased with us, Ya Allah, be kareem, be razi with us, Ya Allah, be happy with us, Ya Allah, make us in such a way that you are happy with us, Ya Allah, raise us in the day of judgment, Ya Rabbi Kareem, such that Nabi Kareem, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is happy with us, Ya Allah, raise us in the day of judgment, Ya Allah, such that we are smiling upon you, and you are smiling upon us, Ya Allah, make us from the mukhlaseen, make us from mukhlaseen, grant us humility, Ya Allah, grant us sincerity, Ya Allah, grant us peace, and I ask that you grant all the du'as of all of those who are present and listening if you know the silent pleas of the heart you know the secret cries in the night grant each and every one of us all of our pious du'as we make du'a for all the protection of deen we make du'a for the protection of all of the masajid all of the makatib al-Qur'aniyya madaris al-Arabiyya islamiyya all of the works of the mashayikh and khankas all of the works of da'a and tabliq, all of the works of ilm and tadris, you know, everyone who is in your path, you know, send your special kabulia on them, accept them, Ya Allah, unite our hearts, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya know, we were given news that here in Azadville a new orphanage and masjid is being built, Ya know, accept their efforts, Ya Allah, help them do the true khidmat of yateen, Ya know, give them the tawfiq, the tarbiyat of those yatama, let them make each and every one of those orphans, your wali, Ya Allah, make each and every Everyone, your friends, Ya Allah, befriend them when they have no parents, Ya Rabbi Kareem, be their guardian when they have no parents, and Ya Rabbi, make special du'a for the Ummah, and all of the Muslimin, Muta'asireen of this Ummah, Ya Rabbi, send your special help for them, be their protector when they have none, show them a ray of hope when they see none, and accept each and every one of us for the khidmat of Ummah and khidmat of Deen, Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Rambana takambal minna, innaka antas samiyun alim, وتوب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على حبيبه سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين برحمتك يا رحمن الرحيم